0: We're just getting right into the controversy. <laughs> Season opener. Yeah. Most controversial episode yet. Were you surprised that it won our poll? I was pretty surprised that it won our poll i just assumed our audience was all kind of sleazy dudes well this is what i assume is that uh people who voted not all of them
1: understood that we are a bad movie podcast like i bet some people just saw it and they were just like oh i like back to the future 2 more than showgirls and just like voted for it that way (laughs) that's the only explanation i can think of because i never in my wildest dreams imagined that given the choice people would choose back to the future part 2 a movie that some people don't even think is bad to be our first episode for season two. Welcome back to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper.
0: I'm Nolan. And yeah, Back to the Future Part 2. Can you believe it? I'm excited to be here. Um, A little disappointed we didn't get to go back and watch the uh, classic showgirls. Nolan loves t***s. We all know that. You mentioned it a lot in that total recall bonus episode we did over the summer. I can't believe this is going to be the narrative for season two is you're going to try <laughs> to pin me as a boob man because that's really not true. That's all right, well, not my it. cup of tea. No, whatever you um, say. That's pretty funny. But we all remember Jesse from Saved by the Bell. Saved by the Bell. And we all wanted to uh, go back and visit that movie. But I, I think there might be a chance. <laughs> that's not that what that I way. thought you were going to say we all wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> all right. well, that's not even the movie we're talking about today. Well, are we talking about
1: back to the future part two the sequel to back to the future the prequel to back to the future part three i guess i don't know this is one of those ones where i personally feel that it is a bad movie and i've gotten a lot of pushback on this from people my realization the whole reason i think it's a bad movie was i watched it for the first time in like over 10 years and was like wait a
0: second this is not that good yeah, I do I don't think I've seen this since I was like a late teenager, probably. Yeah. Like we're 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 talking Late 90s, early 2000s here.
1: And I'm gathering you might have slightly different opinions than like the 17-year-old you had <laughs> back in 1990-whatever. Uh, well, I mean,
0: you do love to shit on my perspective on the podcast, but uh, <laughs> damn it. This is happening <laughs> But I would say that for sure over time my opinions changed as both I have grown up and changed and as society has changed as well. I do like to shit on that part of it, yes, where you yes. view the movie through the through the present day instead of... Yeah, well, time. are you going to yeah. do any of that today? I'm excited to I am. It. You know what? Yeah. I'm going to be...
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I probably am yeah you're right i'm gonna point it out every time you do well uh before we get into it we should definitely talk about the beer we are enjoying if you're just joining us for the first time if you didn't listen to any of our first season we always drink a beer that is somehow related to the movie we are watching now this one i'm a little uh so so on because i feel bad last season we watched the human tornado and the beer we drank was named after the piece of shit horrible character the sheriff like the main villain we're kind of doing
0: that again here today. Uh, but this one is, is a little better than that. This beer is called Biff, which Aww. if you've ever seen any of the Back to the Future movies, no is sort of our uh, antagonist in, in all of them. And he plays a pretty key role in both the way that this story plays out in number 2 and in in sort of how it goes. So I think the, this the is the biggest perfect. role I would say. This is he's like he's a linchpin of this whole fucking plot. Yeah, he's required for sure. So uh, I think this is a, a pretty strong connection better than the other one we had for Human Tornado. This is kind of a fun can. It uh it has a 50s style drive-in diner um and says Biff here. This is from Bandit Brewing in Toronto, Ontario. So I've been to Bandit. Um it's a pretty cool space. They put it in an old auto body shop. Um, And they are two guys who quit their jobs and decided they wanted to create a brewery and they took over this space. The actual space is a large outdoor kind of beer garden. It's inspired by some of the places in Germany. So they made it feel kind of like if you went to a German beer garden. And their, their focus is kind of on ales, IPAs in particular, Northeast style IPAs. They also love sours and some more sort of Brett style ales. So all stuff that really up my alley. So I've been to Bandit, too, actually.
1: I enjoyed it. Pretty nice space. Now, I'm not sure I'm going to enjoy this beer because this is, of course, an IPA.
0: Yeah, it's double dry dry hops. Oh, yeah, which means it's going to have a nice hoppy kick. Yeah, not
1: looking forward to that. But who knows? Perhaps uh, by the time we're finished drinking these, I might have changed my tune. I'll reserve judgment until we actually try it. Should we crack it open? Yeah, let's get into it. Let's do it. So we begin on Saturday, October 26, 1985, after the events of the first movie, We get an immediate Jennifer upgrade because the actress who played Jennifer Parker in the first movie has been replaced
0: by the one, the only, Elizabeth Shue. I mean. (laughs) Yes, uh, nice to see her. We had her in Cocktail from our first season. What I thought was interesting about Elizabeth Shue's performance in this one is she's only awake for, I don't know, two minutes of it. And the rest of the time she spends passed out and being dragged around. It's true. But you know what? She makes the most of her time on screen as she always does. What a pro. Lover. <laughs> they could not have upgraded more, in my opinion. Oh, my goodness. If we had a Cooper's uh, sort of Actress Hall of Fame, would she be on there? Is she on the mountain? It's not Rushmore? just me. Everyone loves Elizabeth Shue. Okay. Everyone. Okay. Suddenly, Doc Brown shows up. And this is
1: just the end of the first movie. They've got to go to the future because there's a problem with their kids. Now, as the car takes off loser biff as i'm calling him the 1995 like rewritten version who now is like you know very humble and uh lowly and kind of a doofus happens to see the car take off and
0: that is going to set all of this in motion i called him grumpy aged biff a lot of times they're putting some age makeup on our biff character and they do it extremely poorly yeah that's especially true of old biff that we're going to encounter very
1: soon in the future Speaking of the future, the car emerges on some sort of sky highway in the year 2015. safe to say that humanity hasn't quite reached the lofty goals set by sci-fi movies in the 80s if 2015 was supposed to be a time of flying cars and all the other stuff we're about to see.
0: It is really funny uh, recording this in 2021. Uh, We are six years past where they're supposed to be in this movie, or almost at that time. And we haven't met most of those lofty ideals. And, and this sort of adds to that perspective where it seems probably way worse now that we're here and we're not even close to some of that stuff. Oh, I hadn't thought about that, but that's, that is probably true. Yeah, we had, a, we had a throwback to the original score soundtrack as they were sort of traveling through time, which was kind of nice. It made me remember the nice things I like about Back to the Future. The music
1: definitely plays a prominent part in people thinking this movie is not shitty. Alan Sylvester is kind of like holding it together for the, <laughs> the movie production. He's carrying a lot of water, as they say. Yes. The future's a strange place for sure. Jennifer has lots of questions about it. Too many questions, in fact.
0: So as you mentioned, Doc Brown just knocks her out. How dare he? <laughs> <laughs> he uses some kind of, uh, he says it's, it's fine, but it's going to like wipe her memory. But apparently it needs quite a bit of time to charge, we find out later. Now, there's no time to really dwell on
1: that, though, because Marty McFly has to intercept his son and stop him from taking part in something that will get him and his daughter actually arrested. So we're right into the plot here.
0: Yeah, it happens pretty quickly. We very quickly get some product placement. Uh, We have this really cool Nike bag um, (laughs) and some shoes that self-lace up. We also have a jacket that is huge on... Our star, but it it sort of shrinks to fit him, which is pretty cool. Michael J. Fox. We're also going to get a bunch of Pepsi ads. I, I can tell really clearly that they're using the success of the first movie to cash in on some good spots from some of their sponsors, right? They're helping to pay for some of this movie through all of this product placement.
1: Oh, tons of product placement. Marty McFly gets temporarily distracted by some of these things, as well as other parts of the future landscape, including a holographic ad for Jaws 19. <laughs> this time, it's really, really personal. <laughs> this hologram looks like oh, shit. Come on.
0: I mean, I, I thought this was funny. Uh, going back to our Jaws the Revenge episode. I I, <laughs> yeah, I thought of that, too. Yeah, I thought we could have uh, sort of predicted uh, this happening. Um, But no, we haven't got that many Jaws movies and that's a little bit sad. We also get some like oil company placement and some other stuff popping up too. And Pepsi, of course, when he
1: finally enters this diner, he immediately orders a Pepsi. Uh, This is where he meets a very old Biff Tannen and actually his grandson, Griff. He also learns a couple of things about himself and his own future. Apparently, his uh, son is a complete wimp or as the lady member of Gris gang puts it,
0: What's wrong, McFly? You got no stroke?
1: Which, I mean, he chuckled a little bit. Uh, And apparently he has fucked up his own future just terribly. Something has gone wrong and now Marty McFly in this future era, kind of a loser.
0: Yeah, um, it's interesting because he starts trying to figure out what happened to him. Doc keeps warning him against trying to figure out what his future looks like or even sort of seeing or learning too much. We know that this could be a big deal. Um, we're worried about, I, I don't I think they call it the butterfly effect when there's sort of changes in one time and, and they go back from the other. And it turns out that the whole reason they're back there is to stop his son from getting involved in a criminal action with Griff, the sort of grandson of Biff from our current reality. Yeah, I guess
1: in Marty McFly's damaged future already with his own mistakes, this arrest of his son and daughter, they say when she tries to break him out, will cause his whole family to just, like, fucking fall apart and dissolve. So this is Doc's looking out for a friend here, which I don't know really I feel about that. Borderline irresponsible. How, how you change the future. If that was what was supposed to happen, that's what was supposed to happen. How are you going to
0: change it because the guy's a friend of yours? Well, this is interesting, too, because not too far into this movie, Doc realizes or he sort of says, we need to destroy this thing, right? We need to get rid of this time machine because there's just too much risk with going back. In essence, I think he says he only created it because he wants to sort of see what the future yeah. is and to kind of un- have a better understanding of where we're going and maybe understand why people are around, Was sort is what he said. Don't
1: forget visiting the Old West. They drop in about 130 not-so-subtle clues that we might be headed to the Old West in well, the near future.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we found out that that's Doc's favorite time period, and you know what? He makes it happen. Sure does. But before all that... Marty manages to switch places with his son.
1: He tells Griff no dice on that night's opportunity. And then we get the very famous hoverboard chase, which ends with him stuck in the middle of a fountain because your standard hoverboard does not work on water. Now, Griff's board will, though, because it's a big one. But after Marty jumps down into the fountain, Griff and his gang smash into the courthouse. Disaster averted. Movie over.
0: We did it. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So yeah, a lot happens here. Um, The hoverboard. This is what I remember from this movie, right? I think we all remember these. We all wanted one, right? We all thought, okay, when are real hoverboards coming out? We're going to get to float around and do this. But yeah, the crash scene's pretty funny. Uh, once the crash scene happens, he sort of takes a peek at his newspaper that he's sort of brought back. And what starts to change?
1: Yeah, the headline about his son getting arrested in standard Back to the Future fashion changes to a headline about Griff and his gang getting arrested. So, again, we've basically sewn up the whole reason they came here to the future. But this is where Marty gets the idea, thanks to a guy who's trying to, like, you know, raise money to preserve the clock tower, that he can, uh, you know, maybe bet on some past sporting events past in quotation marks as a way to become rich and this is how the gray sports almanac rears its ugly
0: head so when i think of uh back to the future this plays a really big role in my memory right? like, like yeah. i have them so intertwined with each other or my memory of watching them separate is so poor that like if i hadn't have just watched this one i would have almost assumed that it took place in the first one
1: well uh it's problem number one for the second movie problem number two is that old biff Tannen sees two Martys, one of whom takes off in the DeLorean with Doc, and he also finds the almanac, and he also overhears that the DeLorean is actually a time machine, which now a whole bunch of pieces falling into place for him, and this is what's really gonna spur the action on here.
0: Yeah, crafty old Biff now has a plan he takes or he picks up where marty left off marty decided not to bring it with him because doc sort of chewed him out pretty hard but biff doesn't have that doc sort of conscience with him so he's going to go back and change his future
1: that is his plan now those are the problems that marty and doc are going to encounter in this movie the problem right now they have to deal with is that the future police have come and found jennifer knocked out they just tossed her off to the side in an alley and the police are going to take Jennifer home the problem is this is going to be the future home where she is going to encounter her old self now this happens uh, after some terrible future comedy involving Michael J Fox in drag and his parents making a cameo kind of It's his real mom from the first movie, but it is not his real dad. They just stuck some guy under
0: a bunch of fucking old man makeup, trying to make him look like Crispin Glover. They even hung him upside down to make it even more difficult. Yeah, I know to tell that it's not him. I guess uh, you were telling me there was an issue with the contract for his dad from the first one.
1: Yeah, they wouldn't pay Crispin Glover what he wanted to be in the movie, so they were kind of like, "Fine, we'll just work around this." In the scenes we get to later, where they're back in the past, they just use footage of him from like the first movie which they figured, no problem. But for this one, they try and dress the guy up like him. And this ended up caught, like, he ended up suing them. It was kind of a landmark thing for, like, using actors' likenesses or previous footage. I don't know who this fucking guy is in the upside-down old man Crispin Glover makeup. Either way, how bad is this fucking future comedy scene?
0: This whole section is probably the worst section of the movie. It's real bad. The only thing that was kind of cool is they did have... Video talking technology, so they were talking to each other through a television screen, basically. Yeah, and that sort of hits home really well right now. You know what doesn't though? The presence of multiple fax machines, <laughs> <laughs> and not just fax
1: machines. Fax machines like shitty
0: printouts. Like the printouts yeah. look terrible. It's terrible. So that part's funny. So he he d- agrees to some shady shit with a guy named Needles. Played I mean, by Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. yeah. Which is kind of cool. And once he makes this agreement, all of the fax machines in his house after a confrontation with his boss.
1: How'd you feel about his boss, by the way? You're always very sensitive to cultural stereotypes. When he shows up on the screen going,
0: Floyd! Fujitsu-san! Konnichiwa! You're happy? <laughs> I don't know if that was a comment on sort of Japanese companies going to like take over America. That was a very
1: real fear in the 80s. And I
0: feel like that was sort of what it was. It was pretty stereotypical portrayal of a Japanese person too, for sure. Just stoking the fires right now. Yeah, I know. Uh, (laughs) So they have that happen. And then all of a sudden, out of all of his fax machines, and he has many, it starts printing out you're fired. So kind of funny, but also very lame. Yeah. While all
1: this is happening, Doc and Marty show up. Followed closely by Biff. Doc goes to get Jennifer and Marty's supposed to watch the car, but he can't resist checking out his old neighborhood, which allows old Biff to get in the DeLorean and take the almanac back to his past self. Except, except, Marty is like 15 fucking feet away from the DeLorean. He walks away, but he's still very visible. Biff has to get in the DeLorean. We see him try and back it up. He smashes into a fucking dumpster because he he's not always fucking doing. He's an old man. Then he goes back to the past. Then he comes back to the future, parks the DeLorean again, and all of this happens while Marty's standing 15 feet away in the middle of the streets looking at the neighborhood. You're telling me at no point does Marty be like, oh, I better look back in the car. Hey, what was that
0: fucking sound? Did someone just hit a dumpster? Like, come <laughs> on, man. So what we learned watching this movie is that the characters have absolutely no senses. Like, they just <laughs> they can't see. They can't hear. They can't feel. they can't touch because yeah. this is the first really noticeable point where people have missed something so obvious. It's incredible. yeah, right. And he does. He misses. Biff goes back in time and then makes it back to the future, um while Marty's off roaming his neighborhood, which is now like destroyed and dilapidated.
1: It's not great. They mention it's kind of one of the lower rent neighborhoods in the future. It's about to get a whole lot worse, though, because unaware that Biff has fucked everything up, Marty and Doc head back to 1985. Now, these changes aren't immediately apparent, although they should be after, like, fucking two minutes of driving. So they leave poor Jennifer on this porch, where, like, God knows what's going to happen to her now, because the whole neighborhood's a fucking but as soon as they drive around the corner, they should have been like, wait, this is
0: weird. Like, how did they not catch this sooner? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. So what we've learned coming back, or what's really obvious to the audience, but not the characters yet, is that Biff going back in time and giving himself that almanac has really changed what 1985 looks like. They drop Elizabeth Shue off, passed out again onto a couch. This is the main part of her role in this movie, is just laying somewhere, passed out. Well, that's the last time we see her. Yeah, so she was not in this very much, I think. Is that the Thing that detracts from this movie the most for you was the opportunity (laughs) to have young Elizabeth Shue and her not to be there. So they should have noticed it. They should have noticed, or he does notice that the the windows are barred, but he doesn't really take it into effect as they head back. What happens when he goes back to his old house?
1: Well, it's not his house anymore. There's a black family living there, and he sneaks in like the. Room that he that was his room Now it's this daughter's room The dad comes in He's understandably hot about it Chases him around With just some terrible Baseball bat
0: swings Trying to like hit him Without really hitting him You know what I'm saying Yeah it's a It's a calamity scene It's a dad getting angry Because he finds uh, a boy In his daughter's room And Michael J. Fox is like I don't even know why I'm here And he runs out And gets out of the house But he realizes really quickly They're not in the right spot No this As we said This place has now become A
1: complete Complete with like chalk outlines and abandoned police cars. And right in the center of
0: this, (laughs) Biff Tannen's Pleasure
1: Paradise. Just a (laughs) sleazy fucking looking casino hotel, I guess.
0: Yeah, it seems like they've taken over the building that used to be the famous clock tower. The one from the very first movie, right? The one where the lightning strikes and we get that time travel. Uh, And he's taken it over, and he's made it a very sleazy casino. And uh, we have a whole bunch of what seems like motorcycle gangs outside of it, and we have Marty McFly kind of wandering his way over there.
1: You know what I like, though? Despite all the dilapidation and the, like, undesirable... elements of this scene they do still throw a little something towards culture because not only does this hotel feature a casino it also features the biff tannin museum
0: so they are trying <laughs> to
1: impart some knowledge where marty learns biff suspiciously won crazy amounts of money betting on sports over the years and somewhere along the way married marty's mom lorraine baines mcfly is now i suppose lorraine baines mcfly tannin and uh, he freaks out about this but before he can do too much Biff Tannen's goons, including Billy Zane, dressed (laughs) like a Texas oil man. Oh my knock marty out and take him back to the penthouse
0: Yeah, the choice to include the museum was clearly just so they could explain what has happened oh to Jason. yeah clearly yeah <laughs> <It's> a- <laughs> it was just absolutely so convenient <laughs> <laughs> that he could just watch a video screen that explained all the changes that had happened um it was fun watching you get excited about seeing billy zane on camera there oh
1: i love the western look he's got a cowboy hat and uh one of those sh- like patterned shirts and uh I didn't see if he
0: had a bolo tie, but it would fit. He could pull it off. (laughs) He could pull it off. And you reminded me or told me that he was also a henchman in the first one, too. That's correct. All three of those guys, same three guys from the first one. And we see them in the past a little bit later on in this movie. So they knock out Marty and the goons, uh, where do they take him? So he wakes up in the penthouse of
1: Biff Tannen's Pleasure Paradise. His mom is there looking especially trashy. Like, let's be honest here. Lorraine Baines, McFly, Tannen has looked much, much better Nice cans, though.
0: That's what you were saying. (laughs) You were going to push this as far as you can. Um, She was looking much older. The aging makeup on her was much better than the aging makeup on Biff. That's true. uh, Yeah. From the other one. She looked kind of realistically haggard. (laughs) (laughs) They did uh, give her some body alterations uh, in her chest region.
1: Yes. His dad is apparently dead. And the relationship with uh, Lorraine and Biff is not good. Like, he starts pushing it around almost immediately. And my question at this point when we're watching this is, where the fuck is Doc Brown? Like, how long does it take him to realize that they're in a fucked up
0: dystopian future? He's not out here looking for Marty. He's just doing his own thing. What the fuck? Well, we know that Doc kind of just lives in a disheveled barn, right? So it might take him a while to get back to his barn and decide that shit's gone wrong in there. No, but we see later on where he lives and it's all fucked up. Yeah, it's true. And he was probably trying to, like, calculate all of the ways that this happened and how to fix it. It takes a while when you're, like, a evil genius scientist guy to figure out. Evil. Thing. I mean, genius scientist guy. I don't know. Hot take there. <laughs> is Doc Brown the villain of this movie? No. <laughs> <laughs> clearly not. <laughs> clearly He's Didn't you just say he fucks with time to uh, save his friend's future? Ah, we temp- were all tempted mm, to do that. Come on. That's problematic.
1: It is, but it's not nearly as problematic as Biff Tannen becoming a fucking abusive,
0: like, ghetto overlord. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Um, there's some comparison to the way he is in this to Trump, right?
1: That is the rumor. I don't know if that's ever been confirmed, but the rumor is his persona in this movie it was based on like Donald Trump in the 1980s. I mean, other than the casino thing and having a high opinion of yourself, I don't. I mean, maybe the hair a little. bit. I think they make I don't the, don't the totally appearance see it, a little bit. But, there, but yeah, yeah,
0: it's not quite the same, but it's interesting.
1: Donald Trump ever have big sideburns?
0: I don't know that he did. I'm not sure.
1: Okay. Doc does show up soon. He actually bumps into Marty at the cemetery where Marty is crying over his father's grave. Uh, turns out Doc was at the library this whole time. That's what he was doing, trying to figure out what happened. He's actually kind of pieced it all together, pretty much got it figured out. Even spots the almanac in a photo of Biff after his first big win, which you were fucking laughing
0: at. Yeah, I thought this was hilarious. They They go back and they find the newspaper articles with the black and white pictures, and you can see the almanac poking out of his shirt
1: yeah it's kind of ridiculous later on they say he's supposed to keep with him wherever he goes but like come on man you don't have to stick a note when you're fucking like claiming a giant gambling win no one of the gambling
0: commission is like hey what's that book i think it's here where they're showing all of the old newspapers that they do the first like there's been other kind of hints at it but they do a really big sort of hint or intro for the third movie
1: well there's one at the biff Tannen museum when it mentions his like, Great Grandfather, Mad Dog, Buford, Tannen. Yes, all right. rest, right. Yeah. And then
0: we're getting another throwback here for it. They are just pounding us already uh, hard about the third movie in this trilogy. The one that I've probably seen the most.
1: That is mind-blowing to me. How the fuck have you seen Back to the Future 3 more than Back to the Future 1 or 2? I think... Like, we... more than
0: one? Yeah. I mean, I've seen one probably three or four times. This is probably my third time seeing this one. But the third Back to the Future movie was on TV all the time i think it was way cheaper to find like syndication or (laughs) something for them so this was often on saturday or sunday afternoon like movie time i think i believe it well
1: after a lengthy lecture on the nature of time travel they realized the only way to set things right is to go back in time to when biff gets the almanac but when was that well marty decides just to fucking ask him and to do so, he interrupts more third movie foreshadowing as Biff is watching an Old West movie where the main character wears a like metal plate underneath his shirt to catch any bullets that are shot at him. Yeah, he's got like a Clint Eastwood movie on, I believe. Yes, absolutely. Biff just tells him the exact date, which I'm like, what on earth? Now, I guess to be fair, he is planning on killing him because when old Biff gave him the almanac, he said... Someday a crazy, wild-eyed scientist or a kid may show up asking about that book. And if that ever
0: happens. He but had, still, <laughs> he's kind of, <laughs> of giving it away here, don't <laughs> you think? It would have been easier to stay quiet, but I think Biff is the kind of guy who likes to kind of brag about his accomplishments. And uh, he likes telling the story here to Marty. Now, he kind of thinks Marty is still his, like, stepson in a way. I'm not sure. He hasn't really figured out that there's two of them at this point.
1: Oh, Marty tips his hand a little bit, though, because Biff's talking about his car and how he smashed it up in a drag race, and Marty's like, didn't you crash into a manure truck? And he's like, how do you know
0: about that? So I think
1: he's, he's probably got He suspicious. should have a
0: little bit of suspicion, yeah. So yeah. maybe he's, he senses it. Um, so he pulls a gun on him and tries to kill him. Yeah, we get a little chase scene here.
1: Biff and his goons trying to catch Marty. I mean, they can't hit him for shit. Like, Biff shoots him about 17 times. Can't hit the guy at all. In the course of this, he also reveals that he's the one who killed Marty's dad. Marty is understandably upset about this, but he escapes by jumping off the roof of the Pleasure Paradise onto the DeLorean, and they need to head back to 1955. Marty's like, hey, what about Jennifer, Doc? Which is a nice thought,
0: but at this point, like, she's almost certainly dead, right? <laughs> well, they did leave her in that <laughs> so the only chance of saving her is going back in time and sort of resetting the past. Um, so they went to 1955. So we're back in 1955 now
1: and they've got to get the almanac from young biff while also avoiding the earlier versions of themselves marty who traveled back in time in the first movie and the doc brown who is here from 1955 doc explains all of this to marty in this scene where he's just running back and forth up and down a road and they're both kind of
0: looking at the camera this scene is fucking dumb what a dumb scene This is interesting because they are heading back to a time where they have already went back in time to. And we're going to have Marty 1, Marty 2. We're going to have Doc 1 and Doc 2 because it's going to get real confusing. Yeah, it does. As we try to go through here, we know that there's some increased issues with butterfly effect now because you're going to get like a future self, future self kind of connection thing. So it's it's really kind of weird. Uh, What I had questions about was why didn't they spend more time... In the future? Like, why the decision to write to go back to 1955? Oh, I'll tell you the answer. Yeah. This is my
1: main problem with this whole movie. This movie is a bullshit novelty. They just wanted to show off the fucking technology of having two Marty McFly's in the same place at the same time. Which now, that's super easy to do because of CG. Mm. Back then, it was new and people were like, this is incredible. How are they doing this? He's in the scenes with himself. There's two Michael J. Foxes. Oh, he's sneaking out of the car and he's also in the window of the car. And people were like fucking mind blown. But now, it's super easy and we've seen it a million times. So now that we've seen it a bunch of times and the novelty is gone... Now all the problems with the plot and the fucking bullshit and the nonsense is a lot more visible because we aren't so impressed they had two Marty McFlies in the same place. It was just to show off the fucking
0: like technology. They had the ability to do this and they're like, this'll be cool. Let's make it happen. It's so non-novel now that I didn't even like it didn't even jar me like I didn't even care that they were beside each other there wasn't even like a moment
1: but picture yourself
0: in 1989 that's the first time you're seeing that shit it's mind blowing this is why everyone thinks it's a good movie and it's not so is that the whole point of this movie then is to use that technology and then they tried to write a script around making that happen I mean the whole point of this movie is let's cash in on the
1: fucking success of the first and they're trying to make money (laughs) but I do think like the hook for this was what if we can
0: put him back there what if we can recreate it and we can have him in one place but also in a different place okay that's interesting and i so i went even simpler i just thought it would have been cheaper for them to just replay those scenes again like just take those chunks they lost the one actor and they're like okay let's just replay as many as we can and it becomes less expensive but that's a really good explanation i like that you've pulled the we want to compare them together thing because i guess that was cool at the time and they do use a lot of the same old footage from the first one right like they replay a lot of the footage Anyway,
1: we're back there now. Marty finds Biff and trails him as he goes to pick up his car. Old Biff is there as well. And this is where I kind of noticed his old man makeup was just fucking terrible. Now, Marty at some point gets in the back of Biff's car. How the fuck does old Biff not notice this? Old Biff is there watching young Biff and watching the car, but he doesn't see Marty get in, stick his head out a million times. Like, it makes no sense.
0: We already talked about the fact that the character in this movie have zero senses, right? They can't hear, they can't see, they can't smell, they can't taste. Like, it just doesn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm pretty sure that uh, Marty McFly is close enough that old man Biff could like even taste him, right? It's just, yeah, man, we see
1: more of this in a second because he's in the backseat again when old Biff and young Biff are driving around in the car talking to each other and he's literally moving around in the backseat sticking his head up. I've been in the front seat of a lot of fucking cars. If something's moving in the backseat, you're going to sense it. You're going to turn around and let's see what it is. Like they don't even fucking flinch. He's just there. No one's using the rear view mirror. I don't know if there were side mirrors on this car. I didn't get a fucking good look at it, but like there's no chance that he would go undetected like literally.
0: Inches away from them in that car. Yeah, it it's pretty funny comedy in a way because he's wearing Michael J. Fox or Marty is wearing almost like a Indiana Jones style costume. He's kind of got the detective hat on and a, a leather jacket on. And he keeps popping up. To kind of investigate. And there is, you're right, absolutely no chance that he wouldn't be discovered immediately. Um, But they let this happen, or this thing plays out at least a dozen times in the next little bit of the movie.
1: Oh, I know. Marty witnesses the exchange here, but he gets locked in Biff's garage. When Biff heads out to go to the big dance, though, they're kind of back into action. And, yeah, we spend the next, like, 30 minutes trying to ignore the fact that everyone should be able to spot them. From Marty talking to Doc on a walkie-talkie in the backseat of Biff's car while he's driving it to the Doc fucking meeting himself, being two feet away from him, and having the exact same fucking voice, but somehow they have a conversation and 1955 Doc doesn't, like, realize, hey, you have the exact same voice as me. Also, uh, your face is the same as mine. (laughs) God damn it,
0: man! <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, the second doc, doc number two, keeps his shoulder and body kind of turned, so maybe they can't quite work it out. No, it's absurd. It's just it, fucking it, it's idiot. ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. They have a conversation. Uh, doc one makes a mistake about the wrench size he needs, and Doc two sort of corrects him and hands him the correct wrench. Well, that's Absolutely the other part. Yeah, he's got all know. the answers. Also, he's
1: like, "Hey, you just went a weather experiment." He like, goes, "Like, how did you know?" He's like, "Oh, you know, I've done a few of those myself. No big deal." He's like, oh, don't
0: worry, it's going to rain later for sure. Like, come on, man. And then he's like, okay, maybe I'll see you sometime in the future. And then Doc says,
1: we in the past.
0: God damn it. Like, okay, and also, okay, let's
1: imagine that you're 1955, Doc. If you were involved in, like, a high-stakes, somewhat sketchy thing... Aren't you going to have like a heightened awareness of who's around you and like what's going on? And if someone shows up who seemingly has all the answers to your questions in this time
0: of like great mystery and suspense, aren't you going to find that even more suspicious? So here's the answer to the whole thing. 1955 Doc knew that there would be risks with future Doc coming back and talking to him. So the only way that he can prevent some disastrous butterfly effect from happening is to be willfully dumb to the situation. Disagree completely, and here's why. At the end of this, we're jumping ahead here, spoilers. When
1: future Marty shows up, past Doc is like fucking mortified and super rattled that Marty, who he just sent back to the future, is suddenly there still. So he has no idea that there could be Well, he's only rattled because
0: he just sent a Marty... To the future. He didn't just send a doc to the future and then have him come back. So
1: he thinks Marty McFly is some unique temporal snowflake that can stop it. I think he
0: thinks the sending Marty to the future fucked up in some way. And that's why he was upset and worried. I will say, Marty does manage
1: to avoid Marty 1 at the dance. But school principal Mr. Strickland gets the almanac from Biff, we think. Which Marty sees, so he has to break into his office. And when he does he realizes that Biff actually swapped out
0: the almanac with a 1950s porno mag. Ooh la la. <laughs> so this scene in the principal's office is another one of those scenes where we have to accept that people have zero senses. Yeah. You have Marty kind of sneaking around the principal's desk pocketing his head up. He even gets his hand caught in between the principal's chair and the desk and doesn't get discovered. That's the part I have a problem with. How's the principal not going to be like, that didn't feel like my chair hitting my desk. That felt like my chair hitting someone's fleshy hand. The way I was would explain it is he was drinking hard liquor out of his desk and sometimes... (laughs) Our judgment can be a little bit different when we've been drinking that much, as uh, we sometimes figure out in this podcast. What an educator. <laughs> that's definitely an old school educator move. That's one of those ones that would get you fired, I think, in this day and age. Well, that one,
1: he fucking two-hand shows Biff Tannen. He's not coming yeah, back from that. That's true. At this point, they've got to find Biff fast. Luckily, he's about to be knocked out by George McFly in what is one of the big scenes from the first movie. So, Marty just waits till that happens, then uh, plucks it from his unconscious body and escapes into the dance although one uh, onlooker was very concerned that he had stolen Biff's wallet. I think he took your wallet. I think he took his wallet.
0: (laughs) Just a random character this is kind of fun Um, writing, right? Where you throw in those side jokes. Yeah, man. Where... (laughs) I just like when a character, and they do it a couple times in this, sort of throw the joke to themselves or the audience. Yeah. They kind of do that sort of pay homage. They try to tell the other characters and when they get ignored, they will say it to the audience and it's always a good laugh. I think it happens a couple times in here.
1: Definitely. I really enjoy that part too. It's one of my favorite parts. Once he's in the dance, he witnesses his parents' big kiss and also himself playing Johnny Be Good. Now, the problem is... Biff's goons are after him, well, the past him, so he has to find a way to take them out to prevent a time paradox because if past him, Marty One, can't
0: get to Doc in time, He'll never escape the past, which will destroy pretty much everything. Yeah, everything will be ruined. So yep. he's got to he's got to figure out a way to do this. He notices that they are sort of waiting at the side of the stage to mess up Marty One. Well, it's shocking how simple this all is, as it
1: turns out. He kind of just climbs up there, like onto a not on a catwalk, but like above the stage, and just drops some sandbags on them. And I personally, I was like, "Oh my god! I hope Billy Zane is okay." Like that just
0: like. You know. <laughs> I heard you yell yell like just a little bit of a shriek <laughs> when Billy took it uh, with the sandbag. I, I could tell that you were in pain, but I, I guarantee you that they put a stunt person in there. They wouldn't want to harm Billy. Oh, never! No, yeah, he wouldn't go for that. No. So uh, Marty one's in the clear now,
1: but Marty two has some biff problems. All of a sudden, he's there. Marty should just walk away, but. Biff calls him chicken, which we have learned earlier in this movie is the reason why future Marty's future is all messed up. It's what causes him to get fired from his job. He
0: can't ever fucking walk away when someone calls him chicken. You were just groaning about this when we watched it. It's so annoying. It's so, so annoying. And it also makes me try to think back to number one. Is the ending of number one where... He's almost in like a street race chicken kind of situation with Biff. Are you thinking of the end of this movie? No. I I am thinking of the end of the first one. And they're sort of back in the future. And they have a bit of a sort of chicken race. But I thought at the last minute, Marty pulls out of it. He decides that it's not worth it. And he lets Biff do something really stupid. He actually stops like accepting that are you a chicken kind of thing
1: but biff in the like in 1985 biff's like a fucking adult marty's a teenager
0: yeah i'm trying to i don't know what i'm remembering i'm clearly remembering it wrong somebody somebody who knows these movies really well send us a correction or tell me how this really worked because i'm confused as fuck (laughs) that's all right now He's
1: got the almanac. He should just leave, but Biff calls him a chicken, so he comes back. And as he comes back past Marty, Marty one bursts out the door. The door swings, smashes Marty two in the face, knocks him out. So now Biff just takes the almanac from his unconscious body, thus completing the circle. <laughs>
0: I mean, I actually kind of like that he knocked himself out because he was like ticking around and being an idiot. He should have been bigger than that. He should have been able to walk away from it and everything would have been solved, but it's not. So how are they going to go get this back another time? Well, okay. And this is the thing, man. Part of this
1: movie that bothers me is they just keep throwing up fucking obstacles. This is the point where I was like, how long is this fucking movie? Because, like, they've already been in the clear, like, five or six times. Just keep throwing one more thing, one more thing. This could have been a
0: half-hour TV program, right? Like, we, (laughs) (laughs) we could have had this all done. I'm really questioning continuity at this point, too. Like, I'm wondering whether they actually gave a fuck about continuity at all or, like, they're just, like... We're just going to go for it. I think,
1: I I hate to give them credit because I'm the guy saying this is a bad movie, but I think in a lot of cases it's actually pretty clean. I think they're pretty good at like keeping everything the way it's supposed to be. My problem is just, yeah, man, this movie's not super long. It's not too far past 90 minutes, like an hour 45 or 48 or something, but like, I don't know, man, it could have been shorter. It just seems unnecessary. to me. they just keep throwing up obstacles. Whatever. They got to get it. So they fly the DeLorean down and Marty uses the hoverboard to kind of float behind Biff's car. He snatches the almanac and then causes Biff to smash into a truck full of manure after like a, uh, like a, Biff's like trying to chase him down in the tunnel.
0: Yeah, it's funny. So I like the, him doing this hoverboard chase and I thought it was kind of funny that they ended with Biff still crashing into a manure truck again. Oh, right? you gotta
1: do, gotta play yeah. the hits. I like that Biff actually fucking uses the rear view mirror and notices Marty back there for a change
0: after fucking 20 minutes of him not noticing that. Somehow he gained his senses back apparently Um, which sort of affects the movie continuity for me but that's okay there there's no way doc would have allowed him to bring a hoverboard back with him
1: yeah he notices a fucking small almanac but he doesn't notice a goddamn giant neon pink board whatever uh so now they should be good but for some reason doc claims he can't land the delorean even though he literally is like 10 feet off the ground when he drops Marty off. So I don't fucking understand why he couldn't land it. There's it's bullshit. Some,
0: there's some really strong weather that's preventing the DeLorean from landing appropriately. That weather is enough to open a door and let uh, Marty down. But Doc knows that he can't safely land Dude, he's
1: basically landed when he drops Marty off. He's like already on the
0: ground. It's nonsense. You can't explain the speed of wind in the bottom 10 feet above the ground. It's just different than it is that 10 feet above <laughs> that's there. That's such horseshit. I
1: hope a physicist is listening and shits all over this. At least, I love irony. So at least we get a little bit of that in this scene. Because just as Marty says to Doc, be careful. You
0: don't want to get hit by lightning. He immediately gets hit by lightning and disappears. Yeah, so this is kind of interesting, right? We've lost Doc. Lightning has hit him. He doesn't know what's happened to him. He has the almanac, but he needs to destroy it. And so he burns it. The future gets better, so that's good. But Doc's gone and he's trapped here. But who shows up to save the day? Joe Flaherty from SCTV. <laughs> Just randomly in a car. <laughs> Western Union. That's
1: true. He is from Western Union. He has a letter for Marty McFly. Apparently, everyone in the Western Union office was wondering if anyone would actually be there because they've had the letter for over 70 years. And he says, and I love this.
0: We have a little bet going as to whether this Marty would actually be here. Looks like I lost. <laughs>
1: He starts <laughs> so i guess they've I all like been
0: that. placing bets of whether there would actually be a young man matching marty's description there in that exact location 70 years from now and we know obviously that this is from doc 70 years kind of makes me think it might be in cowboy or western times. i know what unbelievable oh my goodness <laughs>
1: and it is sure enough it's from 1885 which, of course, is going to be the uh, setting of the next movie. So now Marty's got to get back there, and there's only one person who can help him, the Doc. Of course, the Doc is in the Old West, so he goes to the next best thing, 1955 Doc, Doc number one. We cut to the climax of the first movie just seconds after Doc number one sends Marty one back to 1985 when suddenly Marty comes running around the corner. The doc is understandably shook by this. He is, you know, borderline horrified as he just sent him back to the future. But now he's back from the future and he has to head forward to the past or something. I don't know. This is where it's just kind of folded on itself. <laughs>
0: Things start to get a little convoluted here. I didn't remember how this ended, but we pretty much end here with text coming across the screen. To
1: be concluded. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And so we know a third one's coming. And to give us more information, they play a fucking trailer for Back to the Future 3. Yeah, they filmed them both at the same time, very similar to what happened
1: with The Matrix Part 2 and 3. This is, you know, where we end. We go to the credits after this. And
0: this is one of the things I don't like about this movie is it doesn't really end. I can not remember watching a movie ever that does this. That straight, like, this is a thing that happens in television shows all the time, right? Where you know you're going to be able to watch the next one in a week. Or if you're streaming it, you can just go to the next one, right? Because they've been recorded previously. I cannot remember a theater release where they're like, to be continued, and here is the next movie. Yeah, that is a little weird.
1: Matrix 2 did not have a preview of Matrix 3, but you knew it was happening because at that point, everyone was kind of plugged into what was going on. I will say, like, in terms of the non-ending, Back to the Future Part 1 technically has the same kind of thing, although you could just kind of use your imagination to fill in what happens in the future. I don't know, man. Like, it's, it's...
0: This is a big letdown for me. Yeah, I was going to say it's unsatisfying. This way that they ended the movie just seems so forced to go to the next one. And although I've seen the third one more than any of the others. (laughs) It's ridiculous. I don't understand how it answers the question of to be continued. Like I don't understand how it resolves the back to the future story. I obviously need to watch the third one again. I probably haven't oh my seen it God, in a no long time. No, you don't. I probably don't. But I want to know what happens to them in the mm. present, in the 1985 world. How does that all resolve? And we don't know yet.
1: I just want to know if Jennifer's okay. I was going to say, you're right me. about the yeah. What happened oh to her? Oh, my God. Yeah. I hate to say it, but are her scenes in this just padding?
0: Uh Probably. How dare she, you? No, you know what? No, no such <laughs> This is what I said at the beginning. We we had two movies with Elizabeth in them, and we got the one that featured much less Elizabeth.
1: Well, I mean in terms of like skin shown, we definitely <laughs> got yeah. <laughs> So that's it, man. We're out. This is the end of the movie. And I guess now uh, we'll rate this. If you're just joining us, we always do this on a scale of 1 to 10. We do it twice. 1 to 10 for how bad it is. 1 to 10 for how enjoyable it is. And the goal is to find movies that get a 10 out of 10 on both scales, or as we call it, the Crit Crit 20. Crit 20. And I will tell you right now, uh, this movie is not bad enough for me to give it a 10. Not even close. It's bad, in my opinion. Like it's bad enough to be on our podcast. But I recognize there's a lot of, like, well-done, well-made parts to it. Some parts are fucking ridiculous. Like, no one spotting uh, Marty especially, but also Doc when they're kind of in the past. I'm going to give this a 7. 7 bad. I do think that I am viewing it a little bit through the lens of today. It's mm. not—it's not the movie's fault that Are CG you? is a thing, and it's easy to put two people in the same place. Now, at the time, it was mind-blowing, but I can't ignore several just like glaring instances where this whole thing should have been blown up. The whole Crispin Glover thing, also kind of not cool. I don't like this. Fucking replaced George McFly with stock footage and another guy made to look like him. So, overall, I'm gonna give it a seven
0: because this whole thing should have been detected multiple times it's ridiculous what do you say um coming in i wasn't expected to give it a bad rating i actually thought i was going to be on team back to the future i thought this was going to be cooper v nolan like (laughs) old school 50s boxing gloves uh hands up in the air like for Um, the last dragon yeah yeah exactly it's a kids movie you asshole (laughs) (laughs) you wish um and Watching it again, I was supremely disappointed. Ah, uh, there it is. That was my take. That was how yes. I felt when I watched it for the first time in just, a long time. Just so, so disappointed. There were, of course, things that I remembered fondly and were still fun. I liked the kind of future they painted, despite it being so off the mark in many ways. I'm still angry that we don't have those hoverboards and flying cars. <laughs> you can't stop talking about that it. That they use fax machines uh, still, which is <laughs> pretty funny. The parts where they were at home and he was playing his daughter and there was that other stuff that really didn't play very well for me. I don't know. I I really struggled with this movie too. And I wrote it down as an eight bad. Oh my goodness. You have it more bad than me. That's delicious. And you know what I think really impacts that is how much this was a pimping out of the first one. Like just throwbacks for the sake of being like, remember how good the first movie was? Yeah. And then... It was a crazy advertisement for the third one. Yeah. It ended with a fucking long trailer of what was to come. <laughs> yeah, are man. you kidding me? Who does that in a theatrical release? They just want your cash, Noel. They That's just what want your cash. it feels like. Yeah. They are just trying to touch me in the right places so I will pay them, but that is not how I roll. No, it, I, I love it. I higher, a worse rating than me. Good stuff and so yeah i'm i'm sorry back to the future fans back to the future 2 is shit you should apologize to the official back to the future twitter account we didn't mention this at the beginning but when we put the poll up they were not happy with us they mentioned we were wrong but i noticed that they put an image from the third movie which is superior now in my mind to number two. Oh no you need to walk that back right now no That's not I'm, true. I'm staying with this story i think number two is the worst back to the future this is the hottest of takes even i
1: the man who thinks that two is bad is not I you're going to say that 2 is worse than 3. 3 is terrible. 3
0: is a western delight. I am down for number 3. The only good thing about number 3 is the ZZ top cameo.
1: <laughs> That's about it. Okay, uh I love the scalding hot take. I love that you came in higher than me on this. How enjoyable for you on a scale of 1 to 10?
0: this this is i mean we always go here but this is harder for me um you say it all the time i do check every first season episode you say it like every single first season episode i pro i'm not gonna make any promises i'm gonna try in the second season not to say this for yeah everybody. you said that about
1: halfway through the first season and here know, we are. but then i still do it
0: um, <laughs> i still enjoyed it yeah. um it, it's still a back to the future movie i criticize them for like going back to the places that were the hits from the first one over and over again. But that also brings you back. It even starts with the music in the intro that pulls you right into the joy of the first. one. the first one is a fun and good movie. Oh, it's great. And, and this brings me to it. Um, I wish they hadn't of have- Given so much of the third in it That's sort of what detracts from me I still laughed at the absurdity of Some of the moments, the jokes of characters To themselves, how absurd it was That he wasn't captured in many times Was kind of enjoyable, yet frustrating At the same time But I'm giving this a 7 for enjoyability This is great, you know what I love about this? All the heat from this is going to go on you now Because you... (laughs) You have
1: it. You have it as a worse movie than me. Yeah. You also have it as a less fun movie. Oh than me no! I, I
0: have this as an eight. <laughs> <laughs> I I had seven and eight written down in my book, and after watching and talking about it, I decided on seven. So you flipped them, yeah.
1: No, I have this as Nate for all the reasons you just mentioned. The first one is such a good fucking movie. It's so great. It's an absolute classic. And the fact that they go back to it, I mind it from the sense of like what you described as. This movie's bullshit. They're just trying to like pull in your nostalgia for the first one and also sucker you into paying for the third one. But yes. like the first one is great. I mean, when it comes down to it, any movie with Elizabeth Shue and Billy Zane, and it's going to be real hard <laughs> to get a bad rating from me. I, for love, <laughs> I love
0: how you got an erection from two characters that have like a total of... Five minutes screen time. I want to be clear.
1: There were no erections for me in this movie. You and Lorraine Baines McFly Tannins popping <laughs> off her fucking uh, artificial tits. <laughs> so you were just all on board, but no. Oh, um, it's uh, You like the characters. The music's great. It's hard not to enjoy this. My only problem with it Besides the ridiculous nature of how they weren't caught, is it just it's too long, it's too many obstacles. Fuck one more time, they gotta get it again, they gotta get it again. There's another problem, there's another problem. Like this movie spent so much time doing fucking temporal cleanup that I'm just like, I wish it had I wish it had been a straight 90 and they had cut out like the last two obstacles. In my mind, get in, get out, it would have been more enjoyable. But at the same time, eight still pretty good. Please direct all your Back to the Future Part Two hate to Nolan, who ranked it as both a worse and less enjoyable movie than me. So I'm out, guys. This is all on him. At one step too far with the A, B, and F4.
0: (laughs) What I'd like to say is... Cooper likes to deflect blame here, but the fans voted for it, and Cooper suggested it. So, if really you didn't want me to give some sort of flack to this movie, then Cooper should not have been the one to bring it up and create the it audience. For the, the audience picked it. Don't don't blame me. The audience. Picked it. I put it out there. I am I, I, never. Went, I gonna, voted for Showgirls. I am never going to blame our audience. I actually voted for this. I know you did. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> look at this, and here we are. Because I wanted. I thought it. Would you be heard fun him. He to wanted to shit on it, out.
1: guys. He yeah. wanted to shit on it. I had That's to say it
0: again. At. I wanted it because I thought I was not going to call it a bad movie. I really thought it was going to be you and I yelling at each other across the table about how this movie is good and not bad, but uh, here we are.
1: Well, you know what? That didn't happen, but I imagine it's going to happen in a few seconds because how would you feel about this beer?
0: Oh, you mean you didn't love this double dry hopped IPA? Am I starting
1: for this one? Am I going to go first? I hated it. Listen, you know what? Nothing against bandit. I enjoyed my time there, but a double dry hopped IPA is just not what I'm in the market for. It tastes like many other double dry hopped IPAs I've had, which means IPA lovers will probably enjoy it. But since I am not one of those, this one was a struggle and I cannot wait for next week's beer, which I know will be something different that I will
0: enjoy more. I thought you were changing. I thought you were becoming an IPA drinker, but what this tells me, and what our first episode tells me, is that you're not ready to enjoy the hops in your mouth. You're just not a man for the hops yet. This you know, you
1: know what's not helping is you constantly talking about hops in people's mouths. That's not making me <laughs> like it more.
0: So this is a delicious, very hop forward, sort of frothy mouth feel IPA, and. It's great. Bandit puts together some excellent IPAs. And if you're an IPA person, unlike Cooper, you will love what they're bringing to the table. And the fact that they have so many different varieties makes it a great way to try some similar yet subtly different IPAs. So yeah, do they
1: sorry? I didn't mean anarchy, but do they release the same thing more than once? I even looking at their website. They always have like new stuff. It's always new beers,
0: new beers. And like, do they ever like are they ever gonna bring this one back? Cause it's probably gone now. Good question. So I was on there um very recently just taking a peek. I was looking up their history and some of the beers that they have on offer, and I recognize some of them. So I think they might have sort of a small group of beers that they offer all the time, but I think you're right. I think they change what they're offering very frequently. They don't have a big production facility, and so I think they're constantly producing different yet kind of similar tasting things. So there, I definitely think that there's a bandit style, but I think that they do alter them by changing the hops and um, sort of the process as they go through.
1: So if you're in the Toronto, Ontario, Canada area and you have a chance, I mean, you can, you know, try some of their stuff. You come back in a couple of weeks, it might be all
0: different. Which yeah, is pretty cool. which is nice. So definitely check out their beers for sure. I recommend them.
1: There you have it. That's going to do it for this week. A great return for us in season two here, I feel. Very excited for what's coming up next. Speaking of coming up next, next week, we are going to be watching a gritty early 80s, late 70s action movie. It's The Exterminator.
0: Ooh. I think I've kind of heard of this movie before. I feel like it's one of those movies where people are like, have you seen The Exterminator? Like, it's got some (laughs) extremely graphic kind of imagery and things that happen in it.
1: Yeah, picture like a more graphic, more low-budget Death Wish.
0: Uh, I have never seen Death Wish. But I'm excited for the Exterminator. Uh, we'll we'll do that one next week. It's been really fun coming back again. I know we've had a bit of a, a layover here. We had that fun Total Recall. Um, <laughs> that's a good one, Midway man. episode it, yeah. that was fun. But I'm excited to get back and to uh, continue with uh, our Bad Movies and Beer podcast.
1: Same here. So if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the BMB Podcast.
0: If you have any suggestions, feel free to slide into the DMs of those. We try to uh, sort of pick movies and beers that people have thrown out there uh, that we should watch. That That's something that's really fun for us. Uh, you can also send us suggestions at the Podcast at gmail.com.
1: Yeah, and brand new for this season, we also have started putting our podcast up on YouTube. Starting with the first season. We'll have these episodes up soon. Um, But that's going to do it for this week. I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And we'll see you next time on Bad Movies and Beer. Keep it foxy. Getting back was only the beginning.